Welcome to the Pathway Podcast, and happy snow day. This week, we made our services virtual only due to the winter weather we are having. College pastor Jack Cross wrapped up the spiritual discipline series with the discipline of giving. He encourages us to give in ways that do not benefit us. Stay tuned after the sermon for this week's next steps. So this week we're talking about giving or the idea to, to give. Um, and the reason why I get excited about this is that this is our opportunity to respond. This is the chance that we have to begin to respond to what God has done in our lives. And I don't know if you've ever thought about giving that way. And as a matter of fact, when, when I think about just the idea of us speaking of giving today, there are so many different routes and ways that we could take it. I've got a ton of scripture that I've researched and looked at, and there's so many different things that it has, whether it's the warnings about giving or whether it's the, the way that we give or all kinds of different pieces. I would heavily encourage you, if you haven't lately, it's not too hard of a, of a word to study within the scripture. Uh, whether it's you look at the tithe, right, which is translated as one-tenth, and if you look at that throughout the Old Testament, it's referenced many, many times. In the New Testament, when just the idea of giving, um, and so whether we talk about a tithe or an offering, or, or just even to the idea to give. Um, that's, that's probably the direction I, my mind goes to, especially during this series, is for us to give and to be generous with what we have. And so one of many, many things that, that I want to look at but this morning, but um, just the idea, right, of the tithe, where in the world does that come from? I just want to share just a little bit of background context, right? The very first time that that was shown is really in the Old Testament um, with, with Abram. And, and here's what he says, uh, or, or at least what we find in, in Genesis 14, 20. It says, um, And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods that he had recovered. And throughout the Old Testament, we see this idea of a tithe. And the tithe, I mean, the word tithe literally means a tenth, a tenth portion, a, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's where we kind of come up with this idea. Um, and then it's used throughout Scripture too. Later on in Leviticus, it's, it's kind of more of a, it's a command and put into the law and different ways to kind of give about, you know, whether it's a tenth of your livestock or whether it's the first fruits um, from your, the harvest type thing. And, and all those, I, I feel like at least for me, being raised, um, I think probably the, my first idea or my first inkling of it was more from the standpoint of, hey, this is something we ought to do. This is, this is what I should do. It's kind of a duty driven. Um, but man, the more that I study it, the more that I look, and even too, if you look back into to what Abram did, uh, in Genesis 14, it was in response to a victory. It was in response to how God had delivered them from their enemies. And ultimately, that's what I would love for you to see it as today, and especially as we begin to think about spiritual discipline um, and, and giving as a spiritual discipline. It's a response of what God's already done. And so when we understand who He is and what He has done in our hearts and in our lives, then the, the, the response ought to be, that we're going to give, we want to give and be a blessing. And so whether that's to give and be a blessing to others or whether that's to give and be a blessing to, to God and the kingdom at work, whatever that is, but, but it's a response. And so that's why I say it's exciting because 
This is our opportunity to respond. And so even when I think about spiritual discipline, had we been in state, had we been there and I'd been on stage this morning, one of the things that I had thought about doing, I've done before um, with our college students, is probably pick on somebody. And um, so whether it would have been Eric playing this morning guitar or Dom or Benji, uh, any of those guys typically play lead guitar in the back. And um, one of the things that I had thought about doing was just asking them, hey, would you, would you stay on stage and just kind of play in the background? You know, some churches, they have a little bit of music in the background, you know, might add a little, little flavor to the, uh, <laughs> to the message. But uh, one of the things about any one of those guys, if I ask them to do that, they may have a little bit of the awkwardness of like, oh, the rest of the worship team's leaving, uh, and so I'm going to stay up here. Um, and they might get a little tired from standing. Maybe I should have put a stool or something there for them, kind of in the background for them to, to grab really quick. But guess what? I have full confidence that any one of those three guys could have played for as long as I can speak. Um, so if that's 15, 20, 45 minutes, whatever it is, those guys would have sat there and played in the background, and I got full confidence that they could do it. So why? Well, that kind of freedom, because, right, I didn't tell them they were going to play. They haven't practiced it. They didn't, um, there would be really no time to think about like, oh my goodness, I'm going to play for 30 minutes. You know, what, what am I, what am I going to play? I got full confidence that those guys could just take off and play. And that's birthed out of years of discipline. Because each one of those guys has been playing in front of, not just playing themselves, but playing in front of people for well over 10 years. And those are not very old guys. They're all young 20s. And, but they've been playing a long time. And so when we think about discipline, sometimes, uh, yes, a lot of times discipline is, is, comes out of, of pain or discipline comes out of struggle or someone must step in if we're in wrong behavior and help discipline us and, and show us the way to go. But discipline also is a freeing thing. The reason why as parents we discipline our children is because we, we want to see them not just controlled by their flesh or not just controlled by each whim and each desire that comes in their brain, right? If they eat, anyone, anybody who's got children, if, they just, if we just let our kids have whatever they wanted as far as food goes, we know that they would all go toward donuts and candy and that kind of stuff. And it would be terrible for their health. And so in some ways, we have to discipline them, whether that's what we put in front of them and don't have in our house, or whether that is the amount that we give them or whatever. But, but we know the best thing for them is not to have all the candy that they want, but to have a healthy diet in some form or fashion. And not to say they can't have a little bit, but either way, it's this, the idea of discipline is a freeing thing. It's not a hindering thing. And so when we begin to think about like what goes along with, and, and even this morning is this, this subject of giving is deep. Uh, it's super deep. And I want to encourage you, please, 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 please. If you haven't lately, um, open up your, open up your Bible, open up your computer, probably uh, Google giving in the Bible and just begin to start reach, researching some of that. And like where some of those words come from and what are the different passages? Because just even me in my study and prep for this message, there's a lot there. 
And there's so much good there. And there's a lot even in the Proverbs, right, that, the, that God's just going to lay out and show, and show like, what are some of the good characteristics of someone who, who is a giver or who, who stewards their money well? Because that's one of the things too, right? You can be a free and cheerful giver if you have stewardship. And so all those are different pieces that we're going to look at or, or that we're not going to look at today, but that you ought to look at at some point in time. There's, there's a piece in the scripture, though, that I want us to, to look at when we talk about the idea of giving. And then I want to talk a little bit about something that's, that's a lot of fun to talk about. And so where my mind goes is to a couple different passages, but I want to pick on the one in John 6. So in John 6, there's a story where Jesus' ministry is, is getting going. And he, he jumps in, and here we are in John, in John 6, and, and we're talking about the feeding of the 5,000. Many of you have, have seen this or, or, or have read this before. But, but let's, let's just pull out some of it really quick. And so as we open up right here, um, the particular one in John 6, they've, they've come to the place where they're going to be, and a huge crowd kept following him in verse 2. And it says, wherever he went, because he, they saw his miraculous signs and that he had healed the sick. So right, people are intrigued. They want to come see what's going on. What might happen next? Um, then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with the disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can I buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he had already knew what he was going to do. And Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with a, this huge crowd? So what does Jesus do? Well, he tells everyone to sit down. And he goes on to tell us that there's at least 500 men, right? And flying through this story a little bit, he, Jesus begins to bless it and he begins to break it, right? And, and this is the part where, where many of us, we spend a lot of our time with and thinking about this story, but he begins to break the, break, break the bread and break the fish and pass them out. And then he goes at the very end, he does something really, really interesting with this, right? Not only is there's the miracle of what just happens, but then in verse 12, he says, after everyone was full, let that sink in for just a little bit, right? 5,000 men, however many women and children. After everyone was full, five loaves, two fish. Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And so they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. There's a miracle. People were blown away. But I want you to look back at something that's quite remarkable. And, and, and some of you have before. You've looked at this. And what's interesting to me here, what's, what's, what's an intriguing moment that I, sometimes I run past and don't, don't think about is the little boy. The little boy who shows up with five loaves and two fish. Probably more than he needed. Um, maybe, you know. Maybe they were small. But somehow, some way, 
And I've heard it taught different ways and we make a lot of assumptions with the scripture. And matter of fact, if we see some of these accounts of the feeding of the 5,000 and some of the other gospels, they even leave out the little boy. Uh, they, they don't necessarily even to talk about him coming forward or, and, and I don't know how that happened. You know, I don't know if, if, if Simon Peter, you know, um, and Andrew, if they, if they find out that the little boy has it, if he comes up and he says, well, I've got this, you know, or if they just see him trying to break out and, and have a few snacks and they, and, and Andrew says, Hey, you know, or, or even if they haven't even asked him yet. And he just happens to be in their presence, right? And they just turn. I don't know how exactly that happens. But I know that the boy gives up his food. And then there's this moment right here. And there's this, uh, not long ago, I, I heard this message. And I heard you know, someone speaking of just the absurdity of what happens when, when we give and how that works out. And there's a couple of different pieces. One, one, of, the, one of the quotes that I... Um, that I got actually from Louis Giglio, a pastor I've been listening to probably since I was in college myself. And he says, the fact that God comes to people he created and asks them to borrow what he has already created, that's absurd, right? So God comes to, in this scenario, the little boy that he has created in life and then asks if he can borrow his lunch which God created the fish, God created the loaves. And, and then Jesus begins to break it. The boy gets food. And then everyone else in that area is fed as well. And that's what happens when we give, right? That's ridiculous. <laughs> like God could have just, in this moment right here, Jesus could have made food from something else. I mean, God has done it before, right? Quail could have fall, fallen in and manna could have manifested itself some, somehow. Um, and God could have fed the people that way. But he chose to use the little boy's lunch. And he does that with you and me. The other, some of these other pieces that, that just kind of jump out at me here is there's nothing miraculous about this young man. Just a little boy. One of the other things that's remarkable, and I think that happens with me and you, is that our generosity is what gets us into the story of God. Our selfishness is what will write us out of it. But the generosity of this young boy for not taking his fish and run or not concealing it. or Like I said, we don't know. We, the scripture doesn't explicitly tell us how he, he, they get his lunch. But it definitely doesn't make it appear at all that he tries to hold back on it. And so because of the generosity of this young boy, he gets to play a part in a miracle of Jesus. That's, to me, that's mind-blowing. I don't know where that hits you. But to know that his, his portion and him, him being willing to give, because just think about you putting yourself in those shoes that day to know that you had the lunch that put in the hands of God did absolutely something remarkable that we are still talking about today. That would have just been utter... I mean... And as awesome as it would be to be in that crowd, right? 
to be in the crowd and receive the blessing, to know that Jesus is speaking and some amazing things are happening. And this is the guy who has healed people. And just as mind blowing as that would be to just be sitting on that hillside and listening to him teach. And it would have been absolutely remarkable, regardless of if you believed in him or not, just to hear what he was doing. That's what's going on in the ministry of Jesus. But then to begin to see the bread being broken and the fish being given and to know that you're eating this and wondering like, how? How, how is that little bit, how, does he, how is he still breaking bread? And, and I'm looking around and everybody's eating and, and not just that, but everybody's getting filled. Everybody's getting all that they need. That would have been just mind blowing to be there that day. But what if it was your fish? And what if it was your bread? I get chills just beginning to think about, like, what if it was yours? What if it was the, the, your generosity that, that allowed that to happen? Man, I want in on some of that. I want to be a part of that. <laughs> um, I get excited when we begin to think about that. And honestly, I just got excited about just even what's happened within our Pathway family over the last few years because I think that we're right on the edge of something. I think that there are many of you who that's becoming to awaken in you. When you begin to realize that, that my, my gift, my generosity is way bigger than just duty. I think it is, right? That you should, we should give. I think God's commanded us to give. I think he's commanded us to be generous, generous um, have lots of generosity um, with all kinds of things. But, but I am explicitly talking about your finances. And to think about the ridiculousness, right, that, that God asked us, who he created, to give out of what the resources that he's provided. Like, he doesn't have to do that. I've got some sneaking suspicions as to why, but he doesn't have to do that. But that gives us the opportunity to be a part of his story. And some of that's becoming awakened, you guys, and I'm getting excited to see what, my, what that might look like in the future. And so I just wanted to share with you a few statistics. Jeremy's been working on some of the finances um, for 2020 and just over the last couple of years and all kinds of different things. And so, I, so I, we've got some of the data, and so I want to share some of that with you. And, and one of those things is just to look at, um, I've got a chart, and maybe we'll pop it up a little bit, but for you to look at to see... Um, that over the last few years, you know, we have in, in 2018, it was a particular uh, difficult year. Um, but we have um, in that in 2018, 2017, uh, 2016, even go back to there, like a lot of that stayed pretty much the same. Right. For us as a church family, we had a lot of different changes and a lot of different things happening within our body and our, within our family, uh, church family. And so, but we saw in 17, it was about a 1% growth on our giving overall. And then in 18, actually a negative 1%. And I remember us having, the reason why I get excited about this is not just, this is not a money conversation. That's the thing that we've got to get outside of our heads. And even me at times, I have to remind myself that this is, it's bigger than a money, a money conversation. It's a heart conversation, Right. Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And where your heart is, your treasure is. And so we begin to pray. I remember as a staff, it first it started in that conversation. I remember having a conversation with the deacons at one time and then having a conversation with some of the small group leaders and us beginning to think about and talk about 
our giving because quite honestly, things weren't going to be able to continue the same if things didn't change. But I, I don't remember if it was Mitchell or, or exactly how that conversation went down, but I remember, or it might've been even Larry and I probably a combination of everybody as we were sitting there talking, but, but there was this idea that we had, we believed that the answer to our problem was not outside of us. The answer to the problem was, I believe that, that, that our, peop- our people possess the answer to it, that, that we need to encourage and ask them to begin to be generous and explain to them what generosity looks like, what stewardship looks like. And maybe for some of us, it means just simply trying to lower your debt level because you can't be generous if you're strapped down um, and, and, you're, and you're bound down. But in order to, to get to some freedom so that you can be free to be generous, that you get yourself out of debt. And so we begin teaching and talking about some of that. We begin to talk about kind of where, what's in scripture and where, where that looks like. And so our what happened in 2019 was quite remarkable because for three years, right, we, the, the graph shows that we were pretty stagnant and we had people come and go and whatever, but, but as far as financially, it stayed kind of the same. But then in 2019, something shifted and the overall budget grew by 13%. That's nothing to, to just dismiss. But then even more remarkable to me is in 2020, it grew another 13%. In a year where there's a pandemic and everything's up on its end and it's a little chaotic for sure, and to know that we weren't meeting together, man, guys, to me, that's way bigger than a money issue. That's a heart thing. And you've responded well. And I'm excited about that because that, that's what gets me excited is, is to know that the while, I mean, yes, we're not in the same problems and we're not having the same conversations that we did um, back in 2018, but to know that there are some of you that your heart has begun to be awakened to the idea that God is asking you to join in on his story and you want a piece of it. You want to be a part of it. And so even when I look, even we look a little bit deeper into some of those numbers, and I look at pathway giving, um, one of the things I've never been exposed to until being around Jeremy Flanagan. I love how his mind works analytically. Um, but this idea, right, of giving units. And so not trying to be too nosy and not trying to look into people like the individuals who give. That's not what this is about. But just to kind of see some of the, the health, really. And so the, one of the ways that we do that is by looking at units. And so what that would mean is like Karen Cross and I, like, you know, my wife, we would be a giving unit. Um, or maybe it's an individual who's, you know, single or whatever, but it's like a household units type thing. And so there was once a time period where, uh, well, um, in the early days of Pathway, where really the top 5% gave 75% of the Pathway's budget. Um, so there was only about five households that were pretty much propping up everything that was kind of going on. Uh, and not to say that, and that's not to diminish everybody else who was joining in with that, but I'm just saying like, that's a little bit of an unhealthy situation, right? Um, because if something were to happen to any one of those five things, like we have a major issue as far as whether or not Pathway can keep the lights on and keep going. And so to look at it now and to look at this where we are and to look from, uh, we, we've got a, a chart here that shows kind of where we were in 2017 to where we are in, in 2020. And if you look at the, the lighter shade of, uh, of color there, um, 
there's an increase. There's an increase of the giving units of an average of 24%. So the top 20 is what it's showing right here. The top 20 giving units that are giving to Pathway increased by 24%. There's several other stats that we were kind of looking at. And I think to me, one of the neat pieces was even from in the last decade. In the last decade, we, um, we increased the amount of giving, right? Because there's been a lot more people who've come. Uh, to pathway. And so we increased the amount of giving units by three times. So that's awesome, right? But what's even more remarkable is that the giving given by those three times people, they gave at a clip of, of a multiple of five. So five times as much money. Three times as many people gave five times as much money, which means the giving also increased. And like I said, this is, this is, to me, this is not a money conversation. It's a heart conversation. It's a conversation that, to say that, you know what, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. We want to be a part of what's going on. And so, like I said, these are some of the things that, that get me excited. Some of the more um, just kind of quick hits and what's happened um, over the last, um, just in the, even within the last year, is that our benevolence um, this last year in, in 2020, and, and is, like I said, it, while it was a great year for our church in a financial situation, for some individuals it was difficult. But over $6,000 was given to benevolence to help people pay their light bill, to pay their car note, to pay um, for just some of the bills and things that people needed to give meals and food and things like that. And that was just given right on to the side, not even to the general budget or whatever, but just literally to help other people out. The other thing that we were able to do because of, because of your gifts, um, because of the way that you give, because of some of you who, who've caught that vision is we've paid out over $1,600 to people to go to counseling. That's one of the things that, man, I've loved about Jeremy, uh, just being transparent about that and our staff just in general to just say, hey, listen, if there's time. And I, myself, man, I, I've gone to a counselor. My wife has gone to a counselor um, because I think there's times when I know the right answer, right? Even from a biblical standpoint, I, I know what the answer should be. However, man, there's times I need help um, trying to figure out like actually how to live that out practically. And so if you're in one of those places and stuck, um, man, there's, there's some opportunities from us at Pathway to be able to help you try to get unstuck. Maybe your marriage is that way. Um, but as an individual, you've been through some difficult things and, and, and you keep finding yourself going around the same circle. And so we've been able to help some people walk through uh, with, with some good um, counseling uh, with that. And so, man, just a huge blessing, right? Some of the practical, tangible way of us being a church family and taking care of people. Uh, the other thing is that I'm personally, uh, man, I, I just, I'm blessed by and, and we get excited from is that because of those, because of that giving also, we've been able to increase Pathway supports uh, Thrive. Uh, Thrive, we work as a, I work as a missionary on the campus. And so I have outside churches who support and sponsor us and, and individuals as well. And we've been able to increase that giving from the Pathway standpoint from $300 to $800 per month. That's, that's a significant gift, I can tell you that. And really, it means more than just the money because the production level that we've got right now, it's dumb. That money has been able to allow us to bring Dom on staff this year. And we have been incredibly blessed by what God was doing in him beforehand and then what we were able to do during this time period. 
God has blessed us with this um, and blessed us with the, the, just the ability for him to be able to shoot video and for us to be able to be here with you even today uh, when we're not able to be in person. And this is not even a coronavirus um, issue, but a weather issue. Whereas two years ago, we weren't going to be able to, to do that. But because God had began birthing in him something even to, to mess with video and camera and lighting and paying attention to, to how that works, that's what's allowed us to be able to do that. And then he's been able to come alongside of our church family. And we've been incredibly blessed because of that. And, and, and I would even say, too, that there are more people now who are walking in that team together. And there are more people who are going to be helping out in this, this next year because that has began to be a thing and that's began to be opened up. And so... I, there's so many different ways we can wrap this up and end it. And I've got some next steps for you that I want you to partake, partake in this week. But what I want you to understand is that us giving and us having a spiritual discipline and us having a spiritual um, training to how we give and the way that we give, I want you to be a part of what God's doing right now. I'm excited about what God's doing in our church family right now. And giving is our way to respond to what God is doing and ultimately is going to help us walk closer with God. I hope you've enjoyed the series. I hope you've enjoyed the time together. We've got some next steps that we'll follow up with in order to help you practically and tangibly begin to give and begin to thinking about that. But across the board, what I want you to see is that spiritual discipline is a thing to set you free, not bind you down. Man, for you to spend time in prayer and fasting, it's going to help you walk closer with God. If you have the opportunity to be generous with what you have, write the absurdity that God would ask you, someone He's created and give the breath of life to, to, to give the things that He's already blessed you with. That's a chance for you to be a part of what's, what he's doing. That's a chance for you to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so I want to encourage you, man, play a role with that. Begin to figure out what that looks like for you and your family. And, and that's time. And that's absolutely, it's your money. Uh, it's resources. Um, but I, I pray and, and hope that you understand that God has blessed you immensely and that he desires to bless you immensely. And the last little piece that I'd leave you with is that, and it really deals with a verse in Luke 6, 38. I'd encourage you to go check that out. And this is a little bit selfish, right? But hey, it's in there. You're not going to outgive God. And I've said this in so many other, in so many other contexts. You, um, whatever it costs you, it's worth it. Whatever it costs you to be obedient and follow after God, it'll be worth it. But he explicitly says that in Luke 6. That you're not going to outgive him. It's not possible. Test that out. Try him. So if you, you're struggling, you feel like you don't have any extra, put him to test. Let's see what happens. See you guys later. Thank you for listening. We challenge you to take some next steps this week. One, respond in worship. Spend some time in prayer this week where you only give thanks, no requests. Two, generously give this week to something that will not directly benefit you. 
Read and pray through Psalm 107. For more information about small groups, Thrive, or anything Pathway-related, contact us at pathwaybaptist.com slash connect.